I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Welcome to Fever FM. Tonight we're talking quite the controversial uh, weekend, but first of all, we're going to crack on with the Wahenix women's game against the table-topping uh, Western United. Uh, unbeaten? or No, they've won all the games, haven't they? Six from six now. Yeah, well, spoilers, oh, though. I don't know if five one, but fair enough. <laughs> I think if they're listening to this, mate, they're pretty sure, pretty aware of what the scoreline was that's in that not game. How, that's not how it works, mate. You know the deal. The internet can be a scathing and, and horrible place. So let's not ruin it for people. Okay. Um, so, yeah, up against a, a real David and Goliath battle for the most part. Um, the Knicks sitting right at the foot of the table and uh, the Snakes. Are they the Snakes, the, the women's team? I think as a, as, a, as a club, they're the Snakes, aren't they? Snakeheads. Moving on. Um <laughs> Uh, it's a um, lineup change, uh, not in Wisniewski, but into that uh, midfield. Uh, that was a bit surprising. Um, what uh, Betsy has it? I I didn't hear what happened to her. Uh, she was at a wedding. That oh right, that was um, uh, one of the other football fans' weddings, was it? Yes, it was. I can't remember which it was, but yes, oh, um, I that was Ro- Rosie White. Yeah, there we uh, go. Okay. Yeah, cool. Right, so that. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably a better time than uh, the uh, unfortunate losing streak that Dale has alluded to and spoiled for everyone. Um, yeah, a pretty good start, though. I thought they were footing it. Yeah, I, I, I think this was actually overall one of the better performances that we've put out in the uh, uh, in the all of the games combined. Um, they certainly for the first. 70-ish minutes I think they um, they were in it not overly creative but certainly the uh, retention and transition play and defensively we looked a lot more sound than we had done in any of our previous performances um, I think I think that was led very much from Brianna Edwards at the back, who I think had her probably her best performance. She certainly stepped up again against Western United, Western Sydney the previous week, and I think she stepped again a higher level this time. Um, really showing great leadership and ownership of her box. Very loud, clear communications uh, coming out, being sure of her decision making, you know, and uh, basically ruling that that entire her entire area. And it was really, really good football. Yeah, I, I thought that um, you could actually hear her this time. Uh, maybe it was just the, the last time I was listening to her, uh, listening to the game, I didn't quite hear it. But she was, certainly sounded a lot more vocal, or at least I think it was her, just to hear a lot of shouting at the back. We were playing against a team that has notoriously small crowds, so it wouldn't surprise me that you could hear her ab- above the the three, three was it, what did Lisa call it? There were two angry, two angry mums, I think she used to say. Um, <laughs> Lily, yeah. Um, to be fair, to be fair to the crowd, the Western United guys, they they were making, they were using their megaphone, they were making noise 
I give them props for being there and trying and trying to create a bit of atmosphere there. It did sound a bit odd being through a megaphone, but I'm not going to criticise them for actually trying. Yeah. I mean, I was a little bit nervous going into that game, I think, because, you know, we lost, did we lose 4-1 to them first time round? Yes, we did. Um, and I think they may have, they've signed maybe a couple more players since then. We've obviously seen a couple of players, and I thought, oh, hang on, this, is, this starts badly. It could go quite wrong quite quickly. So, yeah, they did pretty well to keep in it for, you know, most of the entire game. Um, we, again, we didn't really create many chances just looking at the stats before. We had five shots, none on target, and four of those were outside the box. So um, nothing, you know, when you're shooting majority of your shots are outside the box, it means you're not getting much, um, I guess, penetration into that kind of key area of, of scoring goals. Um, you're not going to score too many from outside the box. So... Um, again, not creating too much, but I guess continuing the pattern of the last few weeks of being a bit more solid for a longer period of time in the game, uh, which is, I guess, pleasing to see. Um, I guess it's just that front third we need to start, you know, doing a bit better at. Um, speaking of that front third, we saw uh, Rollo drop into that um, 10 spot. A uh, bit of a change for her. I, I can't recall her part playing in that position before. I don't see uh, a lot of her games, to be fair, though. No, uh, she, she has more of a, a nine. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, but the, prob- the problem with playing was that, like, Ava, Ava Pritchard, her strongest position is nine, um, and you wouldn't really play her anywhere. She's, anywhere else, she's not a ten. Um, Rolo's not getting on the ball enough in wide positions, and she is a much more creative force. Um, so I'm actually okay with dropping her into that ten. Um, to get her more of the possession that we probably need her to have to create those opportunities moving forward. Um, and obviously, when you, when you, sorry, Karen. Oh, I was just going to say, she did create one, well, to play one quite nice sort of reverse, reverse ball back, I think, to Ava, and it was just slightly over hit, and the keeper came out and, and made a sort of parry, smother, half smother save. Um, yeah, I was going to say, a little bit disappointed in her since she's come into the side. She doesn't seem to like create too many chances, but maybe that was maybe she's getting a bit more centrally and a bit more where the, the play is starting to be, uh, getting a little bit more involved. But again, yeah, I guess nothing concrete at the end of it. Yeah, it's our biggest issue, isn't it? As you said earlier, it's um, that game I think will show that we're getting a lot more possession and doing actually quite well. But yeah, they're not. The final product is not quite there, um, and I don't know. I don't know how you fix that. It, it does feel as though if this is the sort, if they played that sort of game against a lesser opponent, maybe you, you Western Sydney, that was the sort of thing that they would have stuck in right to the end, and you know it, it just takes one goal, right? But against a team that you know can score quite a few, and obviously doesn't know how to lose at the moment, it's just that you know, I don't know whether. They could only do it against a team where the pressure was off, or whether it's just a question of growing into the season. Does anyone have any way that they can sway me one way or the other on that? Well, I mean, we're seven games in the season. I don't think we've ever been close to our our best eleven, have we? Um, at least on paper, anyway. I think at least every week we've missing at least two players, mm. some somewhere between two and five players, and I, I guess that's quite a big impact. Um, well, so who are we missing at the moment? We've got Lily uh, and Taylor out from the back uh, five. 
Alyssa's uh, not around. Um, page. Yeah, page satchels. Yep, yeah, good shout. Um, so, we're going to be losing some this week as well for the ferns. So, uh, there's going to be a few more going out, obviously. Um, yeah, and Betsy was out previous game as well. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of attrition there, and a lot of attrition. Hmm. Yeah, it feels like it's a season that hasn't really started in Nangi yet, but yeah, I mean, what it's are we half halfway over. through? Yeah. So what? Uh, I mean, I guess we look forward. Uh, what do we think that the realistic goals are from here on in? Obviously, the next game with the football ferns out is a is a bit of a free hit for the for the um, reserves. From here on, though, what what do we think is a realistic expectation of the back half of the season? Uh, Taylor and uh, Lily should be back reasonably soon. Uh, I think Lily was included in the Football Fern squad, wasn't she? She was, yes. Yeah. Um, so presumably she's close. Kate Taylor wasn't, but to be fair, she hasn't played in the last month or six weeks or so. Um, She's close, I assume. Do we know? I haven't seen anything. But I, I get going back to your point, I think we still haven't played, I think, Newcastle, who have shipped more goals than us, I think, from memory. And we still haven't played, I think, Perth as well, who are ninth. So we've still got a couple of teams on that sort of... who are probably going to finish in the lower half. So I think if we've still got some chance to get a couple of wins if we play as well as we can do. Uh, there's still definitely a chance to, to pick up a couple of wins towards the second half of the season. To your point about their conceded goals, the Jets have conceded 22, Perth Glory have conceded 15, and the Wahenics have conceded 15. So that 22 is looking mighty large. So we play Perth this weekend, so we can maybe get some over them. Well, it's also a problem that I think we only where Newcastle's the one team we only play once, I think, as well. Oh, that sucks. Which is also a little bit frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that unequal season is a pet peeve of mine. Um, yeah. Going yeah, that's frustrating. That's, that's incredibly frustrating because that is a team that we can definitely beat. I, I know we've had this, the, this grievance we've raised about uh, local New Zealand competitions as well, you know, not having a proper home in a way. But yeah, surely in a in a professional league, that's not a thing that should be happening. And it won't be from next season. Like from next season, it's going to be uh, full home and away, which is great. Doesn't help us this year though. No, no. Um, so we should probably talk about the goal. Uh, I mean, realistically, looking at from the outside, losing one 0 to a team that hasn't lost uh, that has won all their games so far this season, that's not a bad result. And to make it to the seventy eighth minute, I think it was reasonable feather in the cap. But the goal itself, what did we think? Uh, yeah, Dale and I have just been talking about this previously. I think this is the one the one time I think Brianna could have done better. And I don't necessarily think she should have come for the cross. Well, no, let me rephrase. I think she probably should have tried to collect the, the cross that came in. But when she decided not to, which is also a fine decision, her positioning was slightly off and she needed to be, she was too far to the back post. Um, she needed to be f- uh, further towards the middle of the goal. And if she had been, she'd have been out of cover the header that's come back across. Um, so 
Western United have a lot of tall players. They've got a lot of big strikers and big defenders, and it showed. Like they're just bigger, uh, bigger humans than we have, and um, yeah, pumping the ball into the box like that works for them. So, yeah, I saw a couple of comments that people saying she should perhaps come for it, um, and having had a career of being slightly below average goalkeeping height, um, I I know the the trickiness of of coming for balls that are a bit further out from goal and, the, and the, I think it's I think for her, for her you know she's not obviously not a big tall goalkeeper um, playing against West United who have a lot of quite tall players coming that far out of the box I think the ball was probably maybe 12 13 yards out from goal I think it's a higher risk than staying staying put and seeing where the ball all falls um, and as Kim says I think I, I think staying is perfectly good decision but I don't think she quite got her positioning right I think she was too far to the to the back post and, and as the ball went back across the goal she couldn't make up the ground um, but again you shouldn't be getting a, a, a clean header um, from a ball a, such a such a lofted ball as well like it wasn't a whipped ball that's you know harder to defend it was you know there's a lot of hang time in there for, for someone in that defence to get a challenge or not even necessarily win it but just put a bit more get pressure a body on in play, right? yeah bit of nudging you know Put off the put off the striker and put off the striker, uh, make it harder God, for them. God forbid it's standing on their feet. Uh, insert dirty trick here. Yeah, yeah. Cam's looking at me like, what? There are dirty tricks to be played in the box. Yes, Cam. No, my my feet have felt plenty of them, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, looking forward. Obviously, we've got that game against Perth. Uh, so. Uh, so far, who has been called up to the Ferns? I have only remembered Lily for some reason. Uh, Grace has also been called up. I remember that. Uh, and Betsy is there as well. Um, I, I genuinely don't know when the Ferns are all getting together. So when all of the players are going to be, because it is outside a window, right? And I know there are some Phoenix players that are available. Um, so it is outside a window. Um, so I don't know whether they will... I don't know whether the Phoenix players will join up after this game, join up on the Monday, or whether they'll be joining up with the rest of the squad earlier. If I if I go through New Zealand football's press release, so they flagged which are only available th- <clears throat> for the 18th game. So I'm assuming that means they're out for this weekend. So that is Lee Ulford's out, Mackenzie Barry is out, Betsy Hassett is only playing the first game, so she'll be back next week. Emma Rolston is available for both. She's playing both games. Paige Satchel's playing for both games. And Grace Wisniewski is playing for both games. So Betsy's the only one we're getting back for the second game. So we're missing quite a few players there. That is... Yeah. It's going to be problematic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one, right? Like, it's, it'd be quite easy to be really selfish and say, nah, you're not having them. And I think in any other year you would say that, but I think if you're going to lead into World Cup, some of these players are fringe. Some of them are more certain. Some of them are fringe Ferns players. Surely, you, you, I mean, you got to give them the best opportunity to to get in the, for a World Cup squad, don't you? Like, I think I, any other season that we don't play this game, 
right? Any other season, we don't play this game. They're playing this game because of the type of season that's ahead. So, yeah, I get it. I can understand why, like, I'm, I'm all for the Phoenix supporting the Ferns in this particular uh, instance. And so I don't know whether all those players will play for the Phoenix this weekend. Hopefully they do, and then join up with them uh, when they after flying back in on Monday. That does only give them one training session with the, uh, with the Ferns before the game against USA, but... It, they're probably all traveling together <laughs> yeah they probably are <laughs> well, i mean to be fair it was uh it was part of our kind of recruit uh, recruitment pitches was you know to be in new zealand the the um world cup's happening you get yourself seen and available for the ferns so realistically we can't we can't have our cake and eat it too we've used this as a draw card to get players in so if it gets players in and they've got to go out for the ferns, it's kind of. I remember Ernie Merrick back when we had Carlos Hernandez and Kenny Cunningham and Costa Rica had a game outside the window leading into the 2014 14 World, World Cup. Cup. And he released them to go play for that to try and get the World Cup squad. So exact same principle. Um, so... You know, and sometimes you're going to do stuff to keep players happy. Yeah. Um, you know. Yep, that's fair. Yeah, I've got no bones with this. It's like, I think this is legit. We brought these players here with that understanding. So it's unfortunate, though, that it comes at a time where they really need to hit their straps and they've got to move into another squad. Um, so that game against Perth, Dale, you've targeted as a, a bit of a... a possibility game um is this it, i i think i called it previously a bit of a free hit for the reserves do we just think that this is one of these games where they go in and go look you know this is your opportunity have it have a crack show you know show us how good you are well are we are we certain when when the players are going to the first squad no that's what i was saying earlier okay. we don't, i don't genuinely don't know if they're missing this game or not yeah, I mean, looking at the Rugby Phoenix website, it looks like the players that were listed before will play against Perth and then come back, then play midweek here against the um, the Americans, and then Betsy will come back into a camp and be available next week, but those five others will not be available for the following week. So looking at that travel schedule, right, so they're heading across to Perth. They're not going to get back here until late Monday night. So if they join up, they're going to have one training session. They might not even get a training session on the Tuesday with the Ferns. They're certainly not training on the Wednesday before the game. So those that have been released just for that um, Ferns game on Wednesday may not actually get any training sessions with the Ferns squad at all. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the women play on Sunday, so... Uh, if it's anything like the men, they'll spend all of Monday coming Traveling. back. Yep. And, and it'll be it'll be across multiple flights too. Effectively get back on Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah, that's pretty tough. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you gotta imagine that uh the with the flights now post COVID it's it's a real rigmarole to get back from Perth. Um, yeah. Assuming you can even do it and on the well, same day. Was the men said that they left? They got up at four a.m. the day, the morning of the, the game, that day after the game. Sorry, and got and got back at midnight. So, 
Yeah, and some some went via uh, Sydney. Others came back via Auckland. Like there's there was multiple. They didn't, yeah. they didn't all come back on the same flight. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Yep, that's pretty brutal. I just just come back to the fact, you know, since COVID, there's not that many flights over there anymore. It's hard to get to Perth from New Zealand. Hey, at least we're only kicking off at nine pm at night and not twelve thirty at night. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be yeah. hot though. Oh, well, yeah, four o'clock. Yeah, yeah, four o'clock their time. Yeah, toasty. Probably. Yeah. Right. Well, as a bit of a flat note to uh, finish off the uh, next talk, uh, what was not a flat note? Um, the men's game. Uh, let's just roll through it from the start. I think because. I feel like we're going to go diverging down a couple of alleyways numerous <laughs> times during this game. Um, let's all keep our language PC, not like I did in my in-law's lounge uh, while my child was asleep two chairs away from me. Um, so the uh, starting event was a slight change in that uh, Costas come in uh, to play little man to uh, Oscar Zavada's big man, uh, Sus hit the bench, uh, and Alex Rufa came in for Steven Ugarkovic. Um, I was quite surprised about the Rufa in, not so much about the Costa change. What about you all? I, well, I think it was probably a little bit of Ufi wanting to get a bit more defensive midfielder in there. I think Ugarkovic and Lewis are a little bit more of a similar type player, whereas the Rufa's a bit more kind of, a bit more defense first yeah he has much more six in him than the other two do yeah and look i thought he played really well i mean i I think maybe the last 10 minutes before he got subbed i think he probably started running our legs but he um he made some good intercepts made some good tackles um you look solid eh? yeah i thought so i think he didn't look he didn't seem like he skipped a beat from you know being 12 months from his last game or yeah proper last game i thought he he looked he looked good Mm. um yeah, I, I thought that through the middle for some, yeah, they Sydney. I I couldn't really tell whether our central defence, uh, our core defence was really good or Sydney was shit or both. Uh, and I, after that warning about language, I've just gone and drop drop that in. There. <laughs> um, we should start with that head clash. So, uh, reserve Sydney player, um, having uh come in to replace one of their normal starters. Uh, I can't remember how long he lasted before he uh, came up against Oscar Zavada and knocked himself stupid. Um, four minutes. Four minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I. Uh, we should probably mention Steve Corica complaining about not being able to get a sub on despite there being two stoppages. Um, so, yeah, I call bullshit on that. Um, if you can't manage to see a guy go down with a head clash and think maybe I should warm someone up and get someone ready to go on in one of the next two stoppages. I wonder if they were still trying to figure out whether or not he could go back on. If it's an HIA, he can still go back. He can be replaced and then come back on. When, when he he came off the field and went and sat back down and, and then they, there's a shot that cuts to like the warming up area and they're, they're running through the tactical sheets with one of the subs. And the play restarts, and then there's a, two more stoppages after that, and they still haven't got him on the field. So 
yeah, as much as he, the Croker was like, oh, the ref didn't let make a sub, you had two opportunities to make a sub and you refused to do so because you were too busy, you know, running tactics through him. Like, I mean, you don't need to warm up four minutes into a game, you know. What have they they've been spending 45 minutes warming up just before? Like, you're warmed. You don't need to, you know, plenty of players go down injured and subs come straight on without any introduction, warm-up or anything like that. Like, I just know what he's complaining about. Yeah. I think that was just he didn't he didn't have an answer to what happened on the field and he was just kind of because we should add that the complaints came post game, uh, not during. Yeah, uh, yeah. Although when there was that that clash between Ufi and Corica on the touchline, Corica mentioned at the end he said we couldn't get you scored when we couldn't when we only had ten men or something like that. So yeah, I think it, uh, he's a very deflective coach. Like he, you know, he. Very rarely there's, there's takes responsibility. A, there's another. There's another excuse going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've mentioned the Corica uh, mentioning the goal. Oscar Zavada um, obviously found the pair of boots that he does the scoring with. Um, a nice little ball. Well, it wasn't a little ball. Um, a direct pass from uh, Clayton Lewis uh, that um, Zavada's nipped in front of um, uh, Yellow Wiggle. And uh, managed to, despite taking a couple of extra touches, uh, slotted around three defenders, none of which was the keeper. Um, in the end, are we calling this a nicely taken goal? I, I think I think so. Um, I I did think he'd screwed it when he took all the extra touches, um, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Um, uh, yeah, the the first touch though to get around. The keeper was lovely. That was that was mm. a, it was a brilliant ball and a brilliant brilliant touch. But yeah, when the guys flooded back to the line, I thought he'd taken an extra two touches in there. Um, yeah. But he found the space perfectly, and it was like it was, there was no arguments. He scored a scored a lovely goal. So I was really impressed, um, not necessarily with the goal, which I th- I agree. I thought he took too many touches and was a bit scared that it wasn't going to work out at the, in the end. But um, more so after last week, you it'd be so easy as a player to get your head down and be super depressed about not scoring. And then like that continues it into this next game and you've just got not in the right headspace for it. So I think it was um, really good that he actually managed to finish that one. Um, especially cause it was a lot more difficult than the uh, couple of gimmies that he missed the week before. It's a very composed finish. I thought, he, he he didn't rush it and it could be quite easy like once you've passed the keeper to like kind of turn and just scruff a shot and hope that it goes in but he kind of sent a dummy or, t- or took another touch that kind of took one player out and then finished it near post I thought it was yeah I thought it was very well taken well considering one of his easy shots from the previous week was something that he rushed and scuffed yeah he obviously decided I'm not doing that again I'll if I'm going to make a mistake it's because someone's going to stop me so yeah, um, got to take that. Um, obviously, that uh, put us on the road to breaking the uh, Sydney uh, hoodoo. I can't remember when the last. What is it? Four, four years. Four years. It's been four years yeah. since we've beaten them. Yeah, yeah. That it's that's not good because Sydney have had off off years in that time. I think um, there were a couple of other chances that kind of came through. We we looked pretty solid moving the ball forward. Um, and reasonably solid at the back. I didn't feel like Sydney had much and got even, I, I think even Sydney 
had fewer or less quality chances as the game grew on. Um, the uh, ball and cry of chances, the cry of chances especially, he's got to be kicking himself and he's got to get an extra week of kicking himself for, for not making the most of that. Yeah, he took one to, I think his his, his, his last Heavy touch, touch wasn't it? his last touch before the shot took him a bit too wide and so it just had a, a narrow angle. And once you kind of get to that, you kind of need to, you kind of need to blast it and, and hope for the best more than try place it. Um, so you'd yeah, be pretty disappointed. And the ball one, I think, I think that was a bit harder because there were players closing him down. I think there was like three players in front of him, and so he probably only had a very small window of trying to thread it, and the ball didn't quite sit up to a nice spot to kind of put a mm. bit more, bit more lace through, and he had to kind of side foot it. Yeah, he hadn't he hadn't managed to run away from the defenders like Grove had. It felt yeah. like ball was kind of like yeah, just speculate. Um, but apart from that, the 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 solidity of that uh, certainly the the central part of the um, uh, our field was pretty good. I thought, like we we seemed to be able to get passes upfield, retain some ball. We didn't look like they had they weren't passing through us. They were kind of having to run around. Yeah, which is yeah. I, th- I think the loss of Bratton for them, I think, was probably quite big. He sort of runs their midfield um, and probably helped us a little bit. I mean, I don't think they had many, many chances in that first half. Like they had a couple of balls go across the box, one very long distance shot that was I think was straight at at Sale. But other than that, I thought we we defended pretty, pretty well and yeah, gave us a good platform for the, for the second half. I think. Hmm. Yes. Uh, there was the uh, offside goal. Uh, Ryan Grant. Um, being pegged offside at the back post, uh, a nicely taken shot, we should say, but looked like he was a was eight inches offside sort of territory. Yeah, it came at a time where they started gaining a bit more midfield, I think, and like a bit more control in that midfield. They had kind of had maybe five or ten minutes of pressure where we struggled to sort of clear our lines or gain any kind of decent chuck in possession and, and that kind of, you know, obviously they had that, that chance that, that scored. But I think it was around the time, maybe that was where Rufus started to get t- a bit more tired and they had a bit more control. Because um, I think soon after that, maybe Rufus got got subbed, I think. But um, yeah, that was the only sort of prolonged period of of pressure was that, that period and it came, it came to nothing, um, thankfully. Um, we should probably mention uh, Borazar Krive's, uh first yellow um, that he obviously had a bit of an, uh, a brain snap and decided he was going to try and pull the jersey off um, the Sydney player from behind. Um, uh, are we calling this a professional foul or are we just calling this a bit of a rush of blood to the head? It's definitely professional. Like he's done it on purpose, isn't it? There's no argument. Oh there. no, no, it's, no. It's, but... a, it's a question of whether it was necessary, yeah. not a question of whether he's done it on purpose. He's definitely meant to do what he's done. Oh, no question. But yeah, did he need to do it? Uh, it felt I don't, like I, don't I wasn't so. going anywhere. No, I don't think he did. I don't think there was the, there was no cover there. I don't think there was any necessarily. I don't. Think, I think there was cover. Sorry, I don't think it was necessary for him to do what he did at that time. Hmm. I. I. I seem to recall him being dispossessed or having something go against him and then he just chased the guy down and just tried to absolutely rip him in half. Um, I, I felt like that was just a, 
a really poor choice, and it did come back to bite him, unfortunately. Um, the uh, I can only call his second yellow a bit of a a bit of a tap and a niggle. I would, uh, called, it, he, I would, I would called it a bit wrong. Actually, a lot wrong. Yes, a lot wrong. I think it was of the four controversial decisions. I think this was the worst one. It's by far the, the definitely wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I think it would be fair to say he fouled the player, but it was a it was a gentle ankle tap, no words, no nothing. He's just kind of basically bumped into him from behind. Plays going nowhere. I, I think the I think the ref has thought that he's he's raked him down the, the calf with his studs. Um I, that's the only thing I can think of. Um that he's thought he's seen, and it certainly hasn't been the case because the player goes down clutching his back rather than his his ankle, so or his calf. So um, I see the referees' decision. Um, Head of referees today said that that was a wrong decision. Um, see, this is what bugs me: is that in getting that second yellow in the red, he gets sanctioned, and there's no comeback for this. It's basically he's gotten a red. If he could have been given a yellow, there's no review. Um, there's no um, out clause. So while they're saying it was wrong to give me yellow and send him off, it's still like not only was he sent off, he gets an extra week sitting down after someone's turned around and said, yeah, it was wrong in the first place. Yep. That yeah. bugs me to no end. Yeah, and I, I guess the, the rationale of that is they don't want to be re re-refereeing every yellow card that's happened in the weekend, right? I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I take that point. But still, if you're saying that we're already punished by having him sent off, to then sanction him again uh, by giving him a week off, that's what feels wrong. Like, a decision on the field at the time, okay, you, you got it wrong, that's fine. But to then wait a week and he's still out, that's what feels wrong to me, I think. Yep, that's, yes, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I feel like there's got to be a little more, I was about to say there needs to be a little more latitude in the judiciary decisions, but we'll probably get to that later on. Um, so that is uh, Cruyff getting sent off, and that kind of set the cat amongst the pigeons, I guess, uh, put a lot more pressure on us. But I thought we, we still held fairly solid. Uh, a couple of subs coming on, fresher legs, as you say, Rufa going off, Ugarkovic on. Um, Sus, I think Sus came on later on. Um, Laws came on like, back. Uh, Laws came on. Uh, Pennington came on as well. Um, we still felt like we had it under control. To me, even that last what was it twenty five minutes or something. They um, they didn't really create anything from it. They had one header, I think, to Ryan Grant. From, from close range it hit straight at sale but other than that they had just we were very compact we gave them the wide areas and then we defended really well eerily when we needed to and, and they barely had a, a dangerous chance apart from obviously the two penalties at the end well yeah I mean this is what kind of struck me about it is they were whipping crosses in but they don't have tall players at, at the pointy end they've got Lafondra. he's not going to win you headers he has to get wide open before he's going to nail it with his head. And I can't recall anyone up who gets up high, certainly not Max Burgess, 
Um, is Wood? Uh, what's his name? Was it Paul? Patrick Wood? Patrick, Patrick Wood. He's yeah. a bit of a he's a bit of a unit. He he is, but he didn't come on till very late on. So, but they they didn't have a second strategy, and that's what made me feel a lot more comfortable. Was that they were like they only had one one approach, and that was to whip and crosses into Alf. That's that's not really anything that's going to be particularly effective. Um, so yeah. instead, yeah, it felt like. If they were going to score, it was going to be from us losing concentration, like not picking someone up with a secondary ball or something like that. Uh, well, speaking of a lack of concentration, Dale, um, Mr. Pennington and Burgess have basically gotten it. I, how do we build this in? Um, so uh, Max Burgess has kind of been heading away from goal. Pennington's basically been right on his back, um, niggling him maybe fouling him, certainly not anything particularly overt. Uh, tempers have been frayed. I think the ref actually um, called a foul against Pennington, but it was kind of yeah. lost in the uh, lost in the fracas afterwards. But uh, tempers have um, gone beyond frayed, and uh, what I can only describe as Max Burgess turning into Pennington and leading with his head... Uh, Pennington has pushed that head back with his head uh, and then raised his hands towards the head or the neck of Max Burgess. Am I leaving anything out? Oh, there's a few more dark arts in there, isn't there? That's, I think that's what like these teams like Sydney and Melbourne, like the teams who have historically been quite good, are quite good at is, is the dark art side of football. Like, because he... Not only did he lean in, but then he wrapped his arm around so Pennington couldn't get away. And I think that what that has caused is Pennington to get his hands and try push Burgess out of the way, and he's done it at a face level rather than at a chest level. And that's and and that push, you know, people say he choked him. I mean, I'm not sure. Well, I need to get out a definition of choke, but for me, it looks more like he's trying to push him away, and it's pushing his throat rather than trying to throttle him, right? Mm. Um, and he's only done it for. I would say a third of a second. Like it's very quick if you watch the replay. Absolutely, he shouldn't have done what he did. Um, and you know, on reflection, on hindsight, it's easy to say he should have just taken the headbutt, fell to the ground, and tried even up a, a red card count. Um, but given sort of he he was sort of being held there, you know, he should have pushed him in the chest to get away or just step away. His, his Latin his Latin temperament did, certainly did come out um, in the in the <laughs> it's a reaction. Game. <laughs> really, you well, think it's I, a stretch when the dude speaks with an Italian accent? I'm thinking, mate, if he was all that Italian, he would have thrown himself on the ground <laughs> to start with. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So the uh, ref has uh, seen this uh, called both players over, given Max Burgess a yellow card and giving Pennington a straight red. Um, I have seen a lot of people, and I share this opinion, saying if if one goes, they both go, or if one gets a yellow, they both get a yellow. Is uh, can someone make the case that that's not that, that shouldn't be? Um, I mean, the case is that they didn't do the same thing, I suppose. Um, I mean, I, I find this kind of when people go head to head, very odd thing to do. 
like just in general it's a very weird thing to do like mm. it really i mean if you're the instigator it really leads yourself to being punished quite heavily if someone milks it and what does it what does it achieve it doesn't achieve anything like i think it's trying just, to provoke the other player isn't it i maybe i don't know maybe it is maybe yeah i don't know maybe it's just a bit of anger i don't know trying to but, be a bit aggressive try and try and get them to do something stupid which to be fair pennington did um isn't, I, isn't the rule though if you are putting the head to head that is effectively a red card for both of them right so if you're pushing you're pushing with the head and pennington's pushing the back that should be a red card because effectively you're headbutting someone even if it's just a push that act alone is enough I think it, I certainly think instigating with a head, leaning leaning in as was viewed that way. Yeah, I mean, like if you're connecting head to head, why is that any different to putting your hand on someone's head? I would say head to head's worse than hand to head, just from the amount of you know skull to skull potential damage is much more than if I palm you in the face to push you away. But it wasn't hand to head; it was hand to neck slightly different yeah yeah no and that's yeah no, and that no and that's fine but if Pennington had done it to his face he would have got the same right he would have got the same violent conduct but i'm i just don't understand why head to head is not the same thing it's both violent right it's both uh, you know it's both initiating contact to a you know a susceptible part of the body yeah i mean we can go back to uh, manny musket and rory o'donovan um that there was certainly some leaning in there, and then Roy O'Donovan uh, given him an absolute whack and gotten, I think it was nine weeks. Um, I I do remember back in the day, it was always a it was a thing. It's like if you lead with your head, you see red. Yeah, and, and so therefore they should both because they both have done that action. Red, red card offences, right? Head. Yes, absolutely. So so but so Pennington gets it. But Burgess should be getting it too, and there's no there's no other scenario here which makes sense to me, purely because of the actions that Burgess took in leaning in with his head led to the actions that Pennington took in leaning into his, with his head and pushing him in the throat. So there's there's a there's a there's a poor there's a poor letdown of communication here between the VAR and the assistant referees and Sean Evans and what actually has taken place. Yeah, I mean the fact that he's only got given one week highlights that the match review panel think this is on the very lower end of violent conduct, because violent conduct is usually three weeks for you know something decent. Was it worse than what Burgess did? No. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, uh, he's got a one week sit down, which is, as you say, very. Interesting, especially in light of uh, Cryf also getting one week. Um, was it you, Dale, that kind of questioned the equivalency of what they've done there? I don't think it was me. Not in public, no. anyway. But it's probably been stirring in my brain. If yeah. That counts. I don't know if you've been reading my brain. Yeah. <laughs> There's some dark things in there. I think what the review panel here has done is gone, actually, the punishment is going to outweigh the crime entirely on both scenarios and should therefore be as low as they can possibly do in this in this situation. That um, was what I was alluding to. Thank you, Cam, for yes. taking that bait. If that's the case, and we've also had the referees, uh, was it uh, review 
saying that the Cryf thing shouldn't have been a yellow. Sure, but no, the question isn't shouldn't have been it. Sure, we can say that, but if he'd received a yellow for that challenge and he hadn't had the previous yellow, he could still have got a yellow for what the ref has perceived there, right? And he got that one yellow, we'd have gone, ah, okay, fine, he looked, this is what he's seen, that's great. It's only because of the consequence of the previous one that that's caused the problem. So, mm. no, there's no overturning that for Crave. Okay, that's a fair point. Go away, there's no place for that here. <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, they will both be uh, sitting down and having a week off um, against the um, Brisbane, who have been somewhat flying high. But uh, obviously we've got the penalties to get through first. Um, I can't remember the time frame for the first one, but it was, was it injury time or about to be injury time? Yeah, they're, they're both they're both like ninety second and ninety sixth minute or something like that. Mm. And they're delayed purely because of the length of time it's taken VAR to make the decision. Mm. Ninety seven and ninety nine. Ninety seven and ninety nine. So uh, a um, a ball has been flung over from the right. Uh, a Sydney player has looked to knock it it away from goal. Uh, uh, Payne has gone up to try and uh, hit it. In between, before it gets to the Sydney player, it's missed him, cannoned into the back part of his body, uh, and the referee has adjudged that that was a handball. Um, there, it, certainly from the angles we saw on the TV, it looked like it came off his back. Um, Payne has said it came off his back uh, multiple times. Uh, someone from the uh, has suggested in the referees group has suggested there is another angle that shows that it has come off his arm opinions so um okay first first off the to be clear if there is an angle that shows it's come off his arm show it release it because this has had so much conjecture and discussion and has shown massive massively against Sean Evans' performance because this is obviously, from what we have seen, not a yellow, not a handball at all. It's come off his back. It's a corner. End of story. If there is an angle, release it because that does multiple things. It takes the pressure off Sean Evans, having made a bad decision. It takes the, uh, the anger out of the fans because you can see instantly, yes, it has hit his hand and he's made the right decision. And that's great. And it also shows that the VAR process is working with what they have access to. All they have to do is release that single piece of footage that shows it hitting the arm and gold. All of that rubbish goes away. Right now, right now, it looks like Sean Evans and the VAR process are completely incompetent. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, it's Tuesday and they still haven't shown any footage that proves it, which is concerning. It's like, I can understand they might not have had to do it at the time. Surely should have it by the end of the game. And if not, how is it not here on Tuesday? Um, having looked at the angles that were seen, I'm comfortable that it's it has touched his arm. I'm not convinced that makes it handball, though. Um, I feel like what's happened is he's come down, and as he's falling backwards, his arms 
are swinging back, and the ball's kind of maybe touched as may have touched even touched his back on the way through. But the way the ball flings out at a speed and the direction, I think, means that it's it's touched his arm because the back's quite a soft spot, whereas the the way the ball's come out comes out almost quicker than it's coming. So it kind of means that the arm has to have swung back to kind of generate that that pace. But I just don't know how where his arms are meant to be in that situation. And I'll read I'll read the I'll read the handball rule for for I don't know for my jollies I don't know. But it has, it's a handball if it touches the arm or hand when he's made his body unnaturally bigger. A player is considered to have made his body unnaturally bigger when the position of his hand or arm is not a consequence of or justified by the player's body movement in that specific situation. So I want to know if you're jumping backwards where your arms are meant to be. Like, they're not above his head. They're not straight outwards. They're kind of, I would say, maybe on a 45-degree angle. Where are you meant to put your arms? I I do agree with you. I don't I don't think it hit his back. I think it's quite. It could easily have come off like a shoulder blade or his shoulder, and cannon back out at speed because uh, it was headed back pretty hard. But yeah, you're right. I like there is nowhere else you can when jumping backwards. There is nowhere else you can put your arms. If you put your arms in a different position, you are landing on your head, and you you couldn't do that if you wanted to. Your your brain will not allow you to go and land head first it's just not going to happen so that it's just yeah it's complete rubbish yeah i mean i'm sure eventually we'll get the footage and it will be his arm and and, you know whatever i am not convinced that sean evans has seen that in the instance that it's happened because you look at the still shots about where he is and where the player is and there's at least one if not two players in the way and the ball has happened on the the you know the backside of where Tim Payne is. So it's, it's, you know, yeah. So there's a couple of players in the way and I think he's just, he's, I think he's just made an assumption on what he thinks he saw, which I think in a VAR system is quite silly, right? Because you, you've got the, the benefit of cameras to pick up stuff you haven't seen. And if you haven't seen, surely you can only make a decision on what you, you do see and then let VAR pick up anything you haven't seen. So I'm not convinced at all that he's, he's seen it based on, where he is, the position of players, and where the ball and, and everything's come from. I, I don't think he could have, because it, it happened behind Tim Payne, so he literally has Tim Payne in the way. He's on the wrong angle. There's no touchy that's in the that can get a good line on that because it's all happening. And there's two more players. There's two more players between Sean Evans and Tim Payne. There's no way he can clearly see that hitting the arm, not even a little bit. Um. So yeah, VAR. Um has not overturned this um is do we think that this is just a case of going give me a reason why it's not a handball yeah and it'll be it'll be similar to what happened in that liverpool Wolves game where it was there was no clear indication that it wasn't this thing therefore it stands the referee's decision so uh the other one being an offside which was clearly not offside but there's no appropriate angle to prove it so yeah it's um it's a definite downfall of var definite downfall yeah. of var um as dale says i think that, that guessing when it's patently obvious that you've got no idea he really should be playing on there should just be going i can't see var yeah i i think yeah yeah. 
Hundred percent. Um, yeah. Yes. The the less said about that, the better. Um, we should we should obviously talk about Ollie Sale uh, finally getting up and uh, saving a pen. I didn't realise that he hadn't saved one. He's been so decent behind in between the sticks. Um, this is his first penalty save out of eight attempts. Decent though. Great save. Oh yeah, I didn't think the um, pen was that good, but um, Sale made a good but point that he went. He made the right way. Well, Sale made the point that um, they had researched pretty hard on Lafondra, and he has some sticky habits of blasting it quite hard to that side uh, and at a savable height. Ollie's just gone with that. Um, saved it well. Uh, the ball unfortunately has been whipped back in, and. Um, uh, I, was it um who was it Wooten or was it Elliot Elliot Callan Elliot yeah yeah has gone to try and block it with his foot but it's been whipped back and hit his arm I don't think there's any question with this one it has definitely hit his arm hmm, uh, totally agree yeah, uh, he's I, bloody unlucky but it has yeah and um there was even the, even by this stage the commentators were kind of trying to claw back a bit of like. You know, what's he supposed to do in that case? Where's he got to put his arms? Which I think was, in this day and age, the way the uh, handball rule is, there's probably no arguing with this, is there? No. Uh, the only argument I've had uh, is that the player who plays the ball across was encroaching at the time, um, encroaching the penalty spot. And um, I know it, when you look at the screenshot, a couple, one of maybe one of our players has encroached at the same time, but um, yeah, it was born. Yeah, ball. I remember that. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, the encroachment rule is like, other than the six second rule, is the least enforced law of the game. I think in football, yeah. like it happens all the time. Even happened on our second penalty. Uh, the second penalty that got blasted over, one of our players encroaching, and by the letter of law, spoilers. That that should be. Yeah, that should be called back. So clearly, the refs have a while the while the rule or law is you know if a player is inside, it's retaken you know, or or a direct free kick. Clearly, they have some discretion because otherwise they'd be calling it back all the time, right? Because this happens all the time. So for the first oh, for the for the follow up, like I don't know why that's not a call back for encroachment if their player has encroached. And got a very significant and important advantage of getting to the ball first because of that encroachment. I don't know why that's not called back. But the only way to the only only way beyond that is a replay of the original penalty, which we don't want. Yeah, but what no what I'm saying is yes, by the letter of law that's the case, but also by the letter of law, lots of penalties being retaken because lots of people encroach. Sure. So there's clearly some scope for um, common sense here of only calling it back when a player gets involved and they've encroached, then they make a decision, which is what's happened here. Our player encroached, yes, but he was 30 yards away from the play. Does that really matter? I would argue no. Whereas his, they did, and he got the ball across, got to the ball first. So yes, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, Dale spoiled all the surprise for you. Uh, a second penalty <laughs> was awarded. Uh, and by this stage, Ollie Sale is just laughing his ass off in goal, uh, thinking this is the funniest thing to happen to him where he wasn't hit in the face. Um, and I think I can only assume he's gotten into 
uh, Lafondra's head by this stage, and possibly the um, lack of justice has maybe gotten into Lafondra's subconscious. Uh, who knows? <laughs> because Jesus wept. He has smashed that ball a long way away from goal. He hasn't, you know. Well, he hasn't. He's blasted it wide. It was not high. It was only about yeah. halfway up the height of the goal. And it's not that far. It was definitely wide, but definitely not that far away from the goal. It's not, certainly not as far as I initially thought in the first viewing. Yeah, I, it certainly wasn't the um, rosette as a lot of people were suggesting, but he's lost complete control of that, I would argue. He's just tried to absolutely leather it. And considering he tends to hit with the ball with pace anyway, it pins. He's got a reputation for hitting with pace. Ollie Sale would mention that in the post-game talk. Um, to then try and hit it even harder... I'm not sure what he was thinking, but I will take that all the way to the bank uh, and possibly have on my screensaver that picture of Ollie Sale floating on the air. That, have you seen that photo? Yeah. yeah. No. Oh, he's just jumped straight up in the air and he looks like he's levitating by this stage. Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, it's a great photo. Yeah. Yeah. A beautifully framed photo. Uh, with the rest of the Knicks team absolutely celebrating. Um uh, and they obviously go to hold on and record a monumental 1-0 win. Um, I, sh- I really want to shout out to uh, Ollie Sale after this, because after the game I saw him go up and give uh, LaFondra a bit of a hug and you know tell him to shake it off. Uh, it was a, a gesture of sportsmanship, um, not to be confused with the words that Ollie Sale may or may not have said to the referee after he awarded that second penalty. It was after he saved the first Understandably. one. Oh, oh yes. Sorry, yep. Yes, but... Yeah, he's, he's pretty bit lucky because he's already on a yellow card. Yeah, the, the hip flexor stretch while the ball was still in play. Yeah, I thought that was a bold manoeuvre. <laughs> Imagine if he came off his line on like the second or third period, uh, the first or second period, he'd be off, off and we'd have... Uh, Eight. Paul Poulton on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Jesus. an introduction to a game. Um, so overall, a, a gutsy performance. How do we think that this uh, plays out for the rest of this? You know, what does this do for the rest of the season, or even just the next game versus Brisbane? Yeah, I, I think it's certainly going to help with confidence. I don't think there's too much doubt about that. Um, do you? But I actually think the the result is uh, a fair one because I think we were the better side for the largest stretch of that game it's a fear but what it what it shows is that you know backs the wall and with the 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 die cast against us by multi, from multiple angles we can still pull through and do well for me i worry that this is an enough of an emotional effort that this that next week is going to be a bit of a a, a bit of a struggle that's my real concern. That You can't underestimate how much of an emotional toil a game like that takes out of you. Ignoring the physical aspect of a game going long and playing with nine men, the emotional part of that, of just having to dig deep. That, yep, sure, there'll be adrenaline and euphoria afterwards and they'll feel amazing and the confidence will be great for keeping a clean sheet under those circumstances. But picking yourself back up the next week, that's a tough ask. I think it's um, my, my more... Biggest concern is not having cry there against Brisbane, who like to park a bus. Mm. Um, 
and us not being able to break break them down. Yep, that's a very good point. Um, presumably the person that comes in for Crive will be Sass, who likes an open field game. And as you say, Brisbane don't play that. Uh, and so we're going to rely on a whole lot of passing. Do we think that that brings maybe someone like Ugarkovic? Uh, yeah, I think a... we're more likely to play Rufa, uh, Lewis and Ugarkovic to start with, to be honest. Um, really? Yeah, I think we're Do you more honestly likely think to play that... a six and two eights. Do you honestly think and... that um, Ufi's going to change formation? No, I don't, but I just think Ugarkovic will play further forward. He's, but he's not a wide player. No, he's not. He's not a wide player, but he'll be effectively be more of our 10 in, that, in the week coming forward. That's my opinion. Dale, his thoughts? I Yeah, I, yeah, I just don't know what you're on about, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like what Cam's saying. I think that it has a snowball's chance in hell of ever playing out. I don't think they... Ufi is going to do anything but a 2 2 2 up front. I agree. I wonder if I'll he'll play Yugakovic bet- as the 10. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. Stick behind your camera, pal. Yeah, it'll either be Sass or Ben Old, depending on where, his, where he's at. Um, yeah, was Old on the bench? I don't think he was, was he? No, he's still out. Still out. Uh, that was hernia operation, if I remember. Yeah, but he's, back to, he's meant to be. Running by maybe two weeks ago, so I don't know. Maybe it's not far yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, no Pennington. I don't think that's too great a loss with Rufa coming back into the fray, is it? No. I mean, I know that people have strong opinions about Pennington. Yeah, I think we've got a bit more cover there than we perhaps do elsewhere. They've also, if we looked at the. Um... The last game at home against Melbourne City, we also had Noah Karunaratna from the academy on the bench, who's a 10. Uh, so he, there's more midfield cover in there now. Uh, and obviously he's, for very obvious reasons, he's been in with the first team there So uh, in, in trainings and stuff. So he may come through for a few minutes too. Mm. Uh, who else was missing? Sam Sutton. Um, he was sick, I believe. Or recovering still, sick, still apparently. Sick. Oh, really? Uh, do we know if it's the Rona or is it? No idea, mate. And not our place to ask, so. Oh. To be fair, I've had a cold for two weeks and it still hasn't gone, so. Um, and a couple of other players this weekend have been sick as well. Yeah, well I think Bratton woke up sick. So well, Ben Wayne there must be uh, other... woke up sick and ended up in Plymouth, so. Yeah. Yes, I'm not saying that Sam Sutton is off to a different uh, club, by the way. Um, right. I've woken up in worse spots than Plymouth. I have no doubt about that. I know where you live. Um, <laughs> Brutal. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Brisbane on a bit of a, a bit of a run, unbeaten, I think, in five games off the top of my head. Uh, we've got a shot against beating these guys, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, definitely on paper. I'd give us a shot against any team at the moment. I think we're, hard, we're proving hard to beat. Obviously, only three three losses in our 11 matches. Um, 
obviously we're proving it hard to win games at the same time, but um, because we're proving hard to hard to beat, I would give us a chance of pulling something out against anybody. They haven't had the toughest of runs recently. They had victory, and then they had Western before that, Wanderers, Newcastle, and Adelaide, who may have been sent off. So, yeah, they somehow somehow managed to eke out results. But in fairness, we've been saying that about Wanderers, and they're sitting second. Yeah, they do have midweek game tonight, I think, at midnight against Perth Glory. So, um, uh, yeah, so... There's always that as well. It's going a short turnaround, which is ideal. Oh, that, that is perfect. Um, well, for us anyway. Uh, we should. You mentioned victory in there. There's a couple of things going on with them. Uh, their illustrious signing, Nani, has uh, done his uh, ACL, and that is him for the season. Uh, someone has wittily pointed out he's done more ACLs than scored goals. Um, I think that's a bit rough for for a bloke of his age and possibly a career-ending injury, but there you go. Uh, Victory have also had a uh, their APL judgment handed down over, are we calling it Bucket Gate or Stupid Fest? Or I'm sure it's got a name in the press, uh, but the sanctions are uh, very much of the wet bus, uh, bus ticket variety, um, in my opinion. Uh, do we have any any other opinions on it apart from that? Yeah, the old. I mean, I just can't believe they're replaying the game. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. I know they're only playing it from when it stopped, but surely that you cost you just you default that three 0 Like, that's got to be a bare minimum. Yep, I believe. So. I, Gen- gen- genuinely surprised that's going ahead. Because like you have different players available, it just makes no sense. Like on any any level, that makes any sense. Yeah, it's very Spanish. I think I saw someone say who they did that uh, in the Spanish league, starting it from a specific point in a game. Yeah, I, f- I found it very odd. I found it very odd that they're choosing to do that. When you're able to determine it was fans of a particular club, it's. I mean, it's always been a three-nil default, right? As far I as think, I can remember back, your your fans go on. I think part of the concern points. was has been that the city fans are also going to face or city are going to face some sort of sanction because they did throw flares as well. So there's still an investigation into their, what they did. So I think that's kind of where some of that maybe has come from. I totally disagree that with what's happening, I don't think it should, but I think that's maybe where that's coming from is, um, is that city were involved in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I think the, the flare throwing needs sanctions, obviously. Um, but invasion of pitch is, a, is another thing. Assault with an object is, you know, you can't, that can't go unsanctioned uh, as far as the, the club and the operation goes, surely. I guess we, I guess for me, like, I, I agree with what you're saying, but there's also the question of, like, how much control do the club have over these people? Um, and what could they have done to prevent that? I mean, yeah, they're just those sorts of questions. Like how much do you punish the club and the players for a group of people who you can't control like that? Uh, for me, the difference is that when, uh, you know, if it was a first offense and this is just to kind of happen, you know, it hasn't happened before. I mean, the, one of those, one of those offenders has been banned previously. 
for viol- you know, for um, yeah. violent conduct, and you know, the, uh, was it pitch invasion as well? I can't remember, but has had uh, football Australia bans. So, yeah, for me, that's the that's the kind of the the final nail on that. The, the, this is this is recidivist behaviour. It's not a one off. He didn't get shown the door. When does it, this is just a genuine question? When does it become like the club's problem versus like stadium security? Like, how do you stop somebody from getting into that stadium? Well, it's the club's responsibility to make sure the security's there to protect the players. It's not you can't delegate that. It's if it's their home ground, they're responsible for the security. Okay, but d- despite whose responsibility it is, how do you stop people from entering the ground like that? Like, how do you make sure that a person who has received a ban is unable to enter? It's, it's a fair question to ask about how much responsibility clubs have over the, the behaviour of their fans. But Victory fans have had a long, long history of not behaving well. And I think Victory have just turned a blind eye at various points because they make a lot of noise and look good on TV and give them money. Yeah, I guess my, my comment comes without all of that background. I guess I'm looking at it as an isolated incident, incident as opposed to thinking about the history of these sorts of events. I mean, Victory have also come out today and say they will be disbanding the active support that currently exists in those two in the North and Southern Stand as part of their actions, um, not mandated by the league, but as what they've decided to do um, because of what's happened. So there's another string there where, and you have to ask yourselves how that, if we were in this situation, how would that impact us? How would that actually make that happen? We would go over to the East section and form a new group, as will these guys. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Essentially, it's like they either get the pit with the club and go, well, fuck you, we're going to go and support South Melbourne. Or... um, they go, oh, well, we'll just move over there and give ourselves a new name, rebrand. So I, I'm not sure what that what that achieves, to be quite honest. Also, I think um, I think you think you're asking about what would happen if that was us here. I think it'd be easier to control the entry of banned people um, in the stadium because there's much much less of it that doesn't make sense much less is that all oh my god i can't use my words there are fewer fans attending the game so it's easier to control that i think um versus trying to stop people going into a melbourne derby or something like that anyway i think it's past week <laughs> yeah good summary that's up like you're at a celebrity game dale i i, I think that yeah i think they should have had the points deduction applied um which you know Great for us anyway, but uh, I certainly don't think it should have been suspended. I think this is just a this is a rack across the knuckles and said you've been bad boys and it could have been they could have actually made a point. They could have actually made a point to all the fan groups to say, you know, this this is where we draw the line, you've done a this is horrendous behaviour, don't bring it back. And they've not done that. Yeah, the suspended sent that was it. Suspended ten points for any further infringements. I think that's probably what's pushed Victory, the club, to disband ban groups because it's like, well, we just won't, we can't allow the the ten point deduction. So, 
yeah, otherwise it's just I, I'm not really sure what happens. They've lost some money. They've uh, they've going to tarp over a couple of areas, a couple of fan areas, which I don't understand how that makes a blind bit of difference. I think it's only three rows as well, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I think that's uh, to aid in uh, blocking the field to stop fans from getting onto the field. Um, that's why they're blocking those tarps. Because if those are all tarped off, it makes it harder for them. They can't stream over the top of that um, that wall. Yeah, but if they're talking about if they're talking about stopping active support, then how does three rows stop active support? Like, I get. I... No, I'm t- there's the out of context though. Like those two things are separate. So the 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 tarping off is to stop people getting on the field, not to stop active support. Yeah, it feels like that's just kind of one step towards, you know, we put fences up, which is kind of a bit weird and backward. Okay, well, probably we're not going to see any any light at the end of this tunnel, but um, it does feel slightly weak, and it would be nice if we saw a bit of responsibility uh, going on from all parties involved, I think. Um, fans especially learning that you can't just hit someone in the face with a bucket because you don't like something. Yeah. Uh, I suspect that's probably brought us to the end of this um, game. Uh, the next game is, he says, playing for time to, is the men's game against Brisbane on the Saturday uh, at 7pm. Uh, that's in Brisbane, not to be misled by the 7pm kickoff time. Uh, and the women's game, as Dale mentioned previously, was eleven. Uh, sorry, 9pm. Uh, obviously in Perth, a 4pm local kickoff for the women's team. Uh, that will obviously be available on Sky, should you want to watch. Um, and I would say it should be a good old watch for both of those, if you can stay awake till half past 11. Yep, and that's enough to bring Tracy to a, to a full yawn. It's not even eleven thirty yet, and I can't even stay away. Yeah, well, you would have gotten to half time, so you just keep practicing. Yay! Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wish I could say I wasn't just as tired, um, which is why I think we should probably just wrap this up and shuffle on our way. Uh, anyone got any other business to bring up? No, this is already too long. <laughs> on that merry <laughs> note, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Bye.